and welcome back to Vox Popcast, the weekly pseudo-academic roundtable of pop culture analysis with drinking and swearing. My name is Christopher Maverick, you can call me Mav, and I am once again here with my co-host, Wayne Wise. How's it going, Wayne? Hey, Mav. I'm good. Are you? You seem exhausted. <laughs> I'm a little exhausted. I'm a little exhausted. Last weekend, I saw four bands and helped my roommate move. So, yeah, so. I, I know that was a week ago, but I'm old. <laughs> I, I, so someday I will be too old for a four band weekend, but not yet. Wow. It's, uh, yeah. That's a lot of bands. Yeah. We should, well, I'm, I'm going to introduce the. So, you know, on shows where we have guests that don't really count as guests anymore, because <laughs> you've been here around <laughs> enough times, I feel like I might as well introduce them before we get to the topic because, you know, they might want to take part in the chit chat as as Stephanie it's already possible. has there. So uh, just returning to the show, we have both my wife, Stephanie. Hey, Steph. Hey there. Yeah, Stephanie Seiler. Hey, Steph. And also, I guess that we haven't had you on in a while, but you've been on many times before. We have our good friend, Maron Langsner. Hey, Maron. Oh, good to be here. Yeah. Hey, Maron. Welcome back. Hello. Yeah. So, sorry, wait, wait, what were you saying about bands? You went to the four? Yeah, I want to know who the four are. Yeah. I, it was a, and I'll get more into some of this in an upcoming show. I, I, Checked off a bucket list item. I saw a Rod Stewart last Saturday, and Cheap Trick opened. Uh, I've always been a Cheap Trick fan. And then uh, Sunday night, I traveled to Ohio to see two more obscure '70s bands, a band called Angel, and uh, the Remnants of the Sweet with Fox on the Run and Ballroom Blitz. And that's a. I'll oh, talk more about okay. that in our our next the. Next music you know, episode. Joe, you can't promise it's yeah. going to be next week. You were going to say yeah, no, next week. No, no, yeah, I said no. <laughs> the next time we do a music show is. is yeah, you can't even promise that, but probably. That's, that's Can I ask a quick probably. question? Yeah. Before. So I want to know if Rod Stewart kicked any soccer balls into the audience. He did. He did. Okay. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, and I've did been anyone get hurt? <laughs> Not that I know of. I, okay. I've been disappointed if he didn't because I, I know from mm. my youth that that was a, a part, of, part of his routine. Oh, okay. Then. And I okay. kind of hope that was still that had survived in some fashion. He, we okay. we were doing research on it, so we should actually point out that along with Wayne at the Rod Stewart show, Steph's mom was also there. Yes, <laughs> she was but, disappointed he wasn't singing his jazz standards, but <laughs> yeah. she still. Liked yeah, I guess she didn't actually go with you, or maybe no, was like, no, no, she went with no. my aunt. But uh, but yeah, Steph's mom was there, and and we were talking about the uh, the soccer balls, and I guess. We'd done some research because Steph was wondering, you know, has anybody ever gotten hurt with the Rod Stewart? Yeah, it seems like a dangerous thing to do. And so we we researched in. Yes, actually, quite a few people. He's been sued many times. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently the people who are not hit like it. Yeah, he claimed in 2021 that he was done with doing it because the lawsuits had gotten too expensive. But like you weren't the only person who like I saw other reports that he said he was going to stop doing it, but he appears to have not. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Old habits die hard. Uh, you yeah, know, I think that, I think that's one of his songs. Old habits die hard. <laughs> <laughs> does, that, does that sound like a Rod Stewart song? Come on, it does. It like does. Yeah, he should write it, or we should write it for him. <laughs> we should have AI yeah. write it for him. Oh, there's a. <laughs> oh, I guess we could actually do that, but I don't. The, the, you know, the thing is, for everything people say about like AI and just. Like, it's actually a lot of effort to make it work right mm. still. And ah. I don't have that kind of energy. I've, done, I've oh, done stuff with AI meme. before. It's way hard. I saw a meme that says in order for someone to get AI to work, you have to ask for exactly what you want very precisely. And the response of all graphic designers, breathing sigh of relief. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Yep. Yeah. I've retired from that career. <laughs> that was the thing I used to do. And yes, it is a problem. Yep. Anyway, not what we're talking about today. Not at all what we're talking about today. It's not even remotely related. Yeah. Usually we kind of have a good segue. It's about music, you know, sort of. Well, okay, yeah, sure. Okay. Well, yeah, okay. It is related to music. And all music is related, related to soccer. I was going to say, and all re- music is related to... Okay, so it's, it's music and it's politics. So if you know me, you know I am a political junkie. I 
very much am a political junkie. Stephanie lives with me. So mm-hmm. I watch always on. Yeah. I watch roughly 18 hours of CNN a day. I just, like, I, I leave it on around the clock and just leave it playing. I, I might turn the station every once in a while and listen to MSNBC or Fox news. Yeah. I'll listen to Fox news sometimes because sometimes I need to know what's going on in that world. So as we record a week and a half ago, the first Republican primary debates for the 2024 election were held and that aired on Fox News. And of course, I watched it. Stephanie watched it, too, because like because mm-hmm. she lives here. Oh, would I would have watched it anyway. Would you have watched it? Anyway? I would have. Yeah. OK, so, well, I don't expect anybody to, else to have watched it. I do this sort of thing so that you don't have to. Did either of you watch it? Wayne Maron? No. no. <laughs> okay. And again, I will let you know, you missed nothing of any consequence. None of those people are going to be president. It's none of those people are going to win. I mean, like what you missed was confirmation that. Barring him dying, Donald Trump's going to be the Republican nominee, even if he goes to prison, Donald Trump's going to be the Republican nominee. And I know this because one of the questions asked at the debate was they asked the eight people who were running for president if Donald Trump becomes a convicted felon, if he goes to jail for the things that he's being indicted for and still wins the Republican nomination, will you support him? And six of the eight of them said yes. So <laughs> therefore, why wow. are you even running? <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, but that's not what this is about. This is about the debate opened with them playing the song Richmond North of Richmond by Oliver Anthony and then asking the candidates to react to that song and explain how they represent the message of Oliver Anthony. And if you're listening to this episode and you go, I don't know who Oliver Anthony is, that's because Oliver Anthony wasn't famous before two weeks ago. <laughs> um, so uh, a while back, you'll, you'll recall that there was that song by Jason Aldean. What was it called? Try this. Uh, tr- small town. Try this in a small yeah. town. And it was this it, it was this song that's kind of a shitty country song. And it became really, really popular. Not just I mean, some people like country music. So I'm not even saying that. Like, I like some country music. I thought this song was shitty. Yeah. It became popular because it's got a bunch of uh, basically dog whistles and phrases meant to trigger the libs. And so basically when he recorded the song. Ben Shapiro and Judge Janine, all these conservative pundits started screaming about this is a great song. Everybody should listen to it. And so it just became the most downloaded song. And it was the number one pop song for like a week. And then everybody said, oh, wait, it's actually kind of shitty. And it started falling down the charts. It's like number 20 something right now. Mm -hmm. So it's still there. But but I don't think it's actually that good. Stephanie, you listened to it when it came out, and I, and I, I, I tease stuff because when it when it when it jumped to the number one song, beating Taylor Swift, I was like, it only did it by one song, by one listen. It's your fault. It's your fault. No, yeah, he always does that. Um, it was not a Thanks, great song. Steph. Yeah. <laughs> hey, well, that's why we're talking about yeah. it right now. So, but You're anyway, a, a few weeks later, this happens again, and this guy Oliver Anthony, who's an unknown folk country singer makes this song complaining about politicians largely it's called richmond north of richmond and Very clever and yeah and it's actually kind of catchy not the best song i've ever heard i kind of like the melody but for the yeah. uh, the small talent better oh really be yeah okay that's just I, me i i thought i thought the richmond song was 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 nicer and so i get why it, you know, was like, I'm like, okay, it's poppier. It was like, I, I can see how that would get caught in people's head. So that's why they wanted them to react to it because Ben Shapiro again and like all these right wing pundits had been saying, oh, this one, this will trigger Lewis. And really what it's about is there's a line in the song complaining about welfare queens. There's also a line in the song vaguely talking about politicians who are pedophiles. And since the right tends to say that about Joe Biden, they assumed it was about him. There's a couple of allusions to Epstein essentially. Like there's like a couple of dog whistly things. So then they all had to react to it. This is how the debate opened up. The debate opened with all of them reacting to this, to this moment. And then talking about how they were going to kick all these Richmond, North of Richmond out of Washington. And I'm just like, this is this like the net worth of not one of you is less than a millionaire. What are you talking about? 
Like all of you, except for Vivek, who's the richest person on stage, all the rest of you are career politicians. And then the one guy who's not is a billionaire. And you're complaining about how you stand for the people. This is really, really stupid and fake. And this is why it's rich men, though. Rich men. Yeah. Yeah. So. Oh, so Nikki Haley. Yeah, she doesn't count. Yeah, she does. (laughs) But anyway, they do this. And I was like, all right, whatever. Well, there were people talking about it for about 48 hours. And then Oliver Anthony released his own little interview on like TikTok or Instagram or something where he talked about it. And he was just basically like, how did these idiots not understand that I'm talking about them? Because <laughs> he is kind of a conservative dude, but he's a, but he very mm. much is a, he, he's very much doing he, the angry he, white. He said he was center of the road. He says he's, he, he, but maybe everybody like, says relative to people around him, maybe that means he's to the right. Everybody thinks they're center of the road when they're frequent, frequently. He is, it, it is very standard to say, oh, I'm just, I'm like, I've, I've read his other lyrics. He's kind of a good old boy, working class guy, probably mostly supports conservative politicians, but also wants weed to be legal. That's, oh, who, that, that's what makes him liberal. <laughs> that, that's it. <laughs> that, that's where he is. But he hates all politicians. And he basically talks for you know a couple of minutes about how, no, 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 I'm not talking about Democrats. I'm talking about politicians. We need to get rid of all of them. And he basically calls them all out. And it blew up their entire thing, right? And then everybody stopped caring because the news cycle moved on. But it made me want to do a show about why do politicians continuously do this? This is a thing that happens over and over again, where these politicians get called out for using pop songs that they don't understand because they're like trying to be cool. So Famously, Springsteen's Born in the USA, Reagan used that and Springsteen had to be like, please stop, please, please don't use that. Chris Christie has used Bon Jovi songs. Trump used Macho Man. Well, that was just at Mar-a-Lago. No, no. Was that for a campaign? Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's come up dancing to it. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, He was wearing the construction worker's outfit. Yeah. No, no. White supremacists have used Tomorrow Belongs to Me from Cabaret. Yeah, which is they don't. I mean, do you know yeah. how gay that song is? <laughs> but <laughs> right, but, but but also like they're taking it know, back. Yeah, <laughs> well, they're they're using it in cabaret. I mean, it's disturbing knowing what comes after that. I mean, that's part of the purpose of that song in cabaret is to make you feel uncomfortable about what they want. Yeah. So, so yeah, so that's just all. I, I mean, I, I I just want to talk a bit today about. Why does this keep happening? And well, what does it mean? Very simplistic theory. Go for it. Some shit is just catchy. And yeah. if something's catchy, you use it and you don't care. Mm-hmm. And then if people catch on and they change and the you know, I'm we're we we've got some humanity scholars among us. Meaning is malleable. Mm-hmm. And if you start saying that, okay, we're gonna take Tomorrow belongs to me at face value. We're going to take things that are meant sarcastically at face value with the sarcasm removed. And if the crowd buys into it, then it does what it needs to do. And then if it pisses off the people who it was originally intended for or done by, it's a double win. And if something actually, and I also think people don't really listen to lyrics. Do you remember yeah. there was a song "Gypsy Woman" by uh, Crystal Waters? No, no. Know. This was a song. It was 1991, so this was this was this was college. We're, I'm dating us all, and this was the. I'm a young man. I was in college yet in 1991. You, you, you're all old people. I was, I was, a, but a, but a boy. The la da di la da da, <laughs> but, 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 it's this, but it's basically it's this dance song ah, okay. about a homeless okay, woman, this. Yeah. and there's this refrain mm-hmm. of "She's just like you and me, but she's homeless." And this would play at parties; people would be dancing to it, and it would mm-hmm. be like, "Are you listening to any lyric in this song?" Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I my mom really liked the John Lennon song "Imagine" because it was a pretty song. I'm pretty sure she never picked up on it being socialist and anti-religion yeah and like i mean mm. imagine is also kind of a terrifying song 
like imagine no religion yeah who's he getting rid of mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah so mm-hmm. if, if in- well, all of them actually yeah, yeah. yeah. Them, which, like, which he would not have, i don't think that if you'd asked Lennon if he was asking to get rid of if you if you would point out to Lennon, are you saying get rid of all the christians and the jews and the muslims no, no. you don't think he would have said yeah you're not getting rid of them but just <laughs> I, I guess i took it as yeah he's just my yeah, yeah, he, 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 he doesn't want he doesn't want he doesn't want yeah. religion to exist, but yeah, but yeah, or religion my, my, to be a divisive like. No, it does exist. Yeah. I mean, yeah, anyway, the point. My, well, the point. The point. being, my mom didn't pick up on any yeah, of that. Like, he, but also, I think the point Marone's making is it's big enough. A homogenous right? culture. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a, it's a, it, it's, it, it's a very Aryan race kind yeah. of statement to make. Mm-hmm. It, I know, it, I know, it might not seem like that. It's a very Aryan race kind of statement to make, uh, and lots oh. has been, and lots has been written about the questionable nature of. Now, is it what he like? I don't think he's. I don't think that he's calling for genocide no. in as in as clear a way as some people we might mention later on in the episode, or we did earlier, like with with the with the try this in a small town, right? But no. I do think that there is a there is a certain amount of privilege that exists. To to be able to say in a world that hey imagine religion just goes away and therefore everything's great it's essentially like that's that's the that's the counter argument to like essentially that's the kind of statement that one only gets to make if one one is a relatively rich white man relatively white Christian man I would. yeah yeah and rich again also very rich yeah. like John Lennon when he wrote that song was was quite wealthy so. But but anyway, but you know, the point I think Wayne's making, because I don't want to lose that, is your mother would have never noticed that. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She, which I mean, and in for good or for bad, right? Like that's right. Sort of right. Yeah. So I don't know. Is it just being catchy then? Is that all I it think takes? That's like, most of what it because so, people don't listen. And if you have a refrain, like if you ask someone to sing Born in the USA, yeah yeah and like yeah. you just take that by itself at that melody at that mm-hmm. and that and that that sounds super patriotic and that sounds like a rallying cry you don't remember it's like something 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 born in the usa mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that's it and then like that's why it works and like i, I you know this could be a really short episode like if we take any of these any of the things that have been repurposed and we say okay mm-hmm. what's the refrain that people remember because like trump walking out to macho man if all you're thinking mm-hmm. is like ah yes you are a very macho man with <laughs> that and that's what that song's about who cannot dance do you know what the song context. is about? By the way, I did look that up. So I I thought it was about the like the the gay culture of the seventies and how they would you know dress in leather and everything, but it's actually about wrestler Randy Savage. Yes. Uh, arguably, that some people some people have said that, but that's what that's what the village people said. Yeah, it's I mean he was around, so mm-hmm. and we, we can get all done um, with the author on that. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, 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 I question whether, based on when Randy's career takes off and when the song came out, I question. Like, they might very well have been aware of him, but how much it was about him? Because the song, the song's released too early to be as definitively about Randy Savage as they as they might claim that it is. But it doesn't it doesn't matter because like death of the author, right? Also um, like how did Randy being, Sa- Randy Savage was practically in drag. I mean, one would argue if hmm. one is Roland Bart, one would argue that that is a important part of the appeal of pro wrestling is is the performative nature of it, which comes from the the beautifulness of the costume. I mean, Gorgeous George is essentially a gay stereotype. That's the entire. He's, so was was Randy supposed to be kind of ironic as well? I, what do you mean by ironic? Like, ironic. was he ironic? or was he truly? <laughs> I mean, was he since he 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 dressed in like what like, I remember him wearing like 
fur coats and things like that. No, that's that's fur coats is not. It's more bright, bright tie dye oh. and shocking purple. Not really pink. He's got the massive sunglasses. He's got the giant cowboy hat. A lot of tassels. A lot of tassels. It, uh, <laughs> like it, it's weird because much of seventies, late seventies queer culture ends up building on to the idea of a macho man. Like, so if you think about like the stereotypes of gay men always in the gym and everything like that. Right. So like what a leather daddy is, you know, a biker, like Mm -hmm. those concepts that pervade the disco movement and the punk movement of the seventies are queer stereotypes that sort of progress past queerness, which is why we start. And I'm, we're getting sidetracking from the episode, but it's why we start saying queer studies and not gay studies or LGBTQ studies, because there's a lot of confluence that like things might be queer coded that are not intended to be gay in mm-hmm. quotes, yeah. uh, or there's, but they still evoke that. It's, it's complicated. Someone like Trump is walking out to that song unironically, and his mm-hmm. audience is not mm-hmm. getting the irony of anything mm. and it's this song that at face value with no cultural lenses with the intended cultural lenses removed about hyper masculinity and that absolutely mm-hmm. serves his purpose it absolutely serves mm. his brand and i think if people try to look at the original or look at the original intention if his intended audience looked at the interpretation the original intended audience was supposed to embrace they might be horrified they might be good thing we mm-hmm. rescued this yeah and just be dismissive yeah, and absolutely dismissive because now right. it means this and like mm-hmm. I think the same with born in the USA because like that that's like that statement by the yeah it's, it, it's, it's that whole thing of if, if you repeat something enough it becomes true mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. And, and, and that's not true, but I mean, that's, that's the, that's the motivation. I don't know that it's not true. I mean, like, yeah. I mean, it depends I mean, on what you say truth. It, it, what is truth, right? Right. right. It, it becomes true it becomes for a lot true of people. For yes. audience. I mean, yeah. And then it'll mean different yes. things yes. in yeah. different contexts. Right. Yeah. For the context. right. right. Yeah. I mean, you're talking, you're talking, you're talking primarily about an individual who, you know, whose entire political world i mean i'm talking trump now trump's entire political world has been based on lies from the very beginning to now where it's all about like you know oh i really won i really won by a lot which was clearly not true but the fact that it didn't actually happen is functionally irrelevant at this Mm -hmm. point right like it doesn't matter that trump lost because the effect of claiming it of saying that he won so much has gotten him to where he wanted to be Mm. like it he he has created truth by repetition so you're arguing essentially that because i I think it's a little different because because they play the entire song right when you play born in the usa you know it's Yes, I realize that people only actually know the lyrics that are like the born and the USA. Like, but, but like the, the, the other sing, words, the are, singable ones, right? But the other words are are like there, you know, dying like a dog or whatever it is. And so, like, there's a lot of there's a lot of you know, there, it's it's just a negative song. Quote, you know, quote, make America great it. again. Then this mm-hmm. is so easy to repurpose. Yeah. I was born in the USA and fuck my life because it's a shithole and I'm born in the mm-hmm. USA and you say okay let's make the USA great again whatever that means then you, sure. could, you, okay. you could use this all is what's that phrase a uh, history repeats itself mm-hmm. once is tragedy then then it's farce so I think the mm-hmm. repurposing of this is like yeah. is the then as farce okay I mean, that gives you, when Steph and I were talking about this when we were, when we were planning the episode, you've also got like your Woody Guthrie yeah. with This Land is Your Land and, and songs like, you know, like often, I mean, often misunderstood to this day. I, mean, I think I, probably I most people think This Land is Your Land is a, is a patriotic song. Yeah, even I remember now. being taught to sing that. I was taught school. to sing that yeah. in yeah. my grade school in the Bronx, which was like, Mm-hmm. either African-American or recent immigrant. 
And a lot of it was like it was very USA number one. So and it was it was like a great thing for a room full of you know half immigrants, half African American to sing this song of like, hey, we the the United the the America America belongs to us. Like what a great thing to tell a room full of six year olds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I guess I never interpreted it that way and don't yeah, mm-hmm. I, I always wanted it to replace the national anthem as mm-hmm. our national anthem. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I've never interpreted it any other way as this land belongs to everyone, not just, you know, the, you know, the quote unquote Americans. So I guess I, I, I have a hard time understanding yeah, that, I guess. What do you, understanding what? Understanding why people would interpret that as like very, you know, USA, USA, this is our land. Or is that what, pe- if, unless I'm... Yeah, misinterpreting I mean, what people are saying here. There, I mean, I mean, it's very clear in the song that you know he's talking about you know Native Americans. This is everyone's land, <laughs> not just. Well, it's a it's a socialist like, message, because yeah. he was. Yeah, but but like I don't think and I don't think the majority. I think people think of it as very much think of it as a patriotism song. This is it's an aspirational. Hey, this land is not about America, or it's not about the United States of America. It's about land that doesn't really belong to the state it belongs to the people but i don't think well, anybody it, it, sees it that way yeah well and i mean people it's it's aspirational it, it is this thing that this belongs to everybody and people will mm-hmm. shout that out to the rafters but then not actually make that true right. you know right. we, we we keep those we keep it from being everybody's land people will sing mm-hmm. that yeah yeah true but, mm-hmm. but, but it, it it doesn't come out in practice So yeah, it, it, it becomes a a, a mantra. I mean, it's yeah, something to, to hang yourself on. This is you know, you sing this, you're, you're patriotic. But then, mm-hmm. if if it doesn't translate to making that true for everyone, then I mean, it's just. I'm trying to look at those songs mm-hmm. that were misinterpreted, and one of the ones that I didn't know that this was used by Trump, but "Fortunate Son" by Credence Clearwater. Credence Clearwater Revival. Mm-hmm. Uh, really? <laughs> really? Wow, that's ironic. ironic. <laughs> that's really? ironic. <laughs> yeah. I did not. He, he, he used it? Like, he, of he played yeah, it? I, I mean, I don't trust everything I read on the internet. But as I'm looking at what? it, it's <laughs> like, so it says that, that, was, that, you know, Fogarty was not too pleased when this was used by Donald Trump. So, but like, of all yeah. people. Yeah. <laughs> Again, if you're rebranding it, because like right now, I can tell you that in the mid 2000s, I taught a class that of theater history, and I found out that at at Emerson College, where I was teaching at the time, that I wasn't just the only theater history they were getting; I was the only history they were getting. And we read a play that was set during the Vietnam War, okay. and I had a moment. I'm like, can we talk about the Vietnam War? What do you guys know going in? And someone said, mm-hmm. that's Rambo, right? Mm-hmm. So if all they know is yeah. Rambo. Yeah. And you have Fortunate Son, and you take mm-hmm. the lyrics at face value of, I'm a struggling poor person, and you have no idea Vietnam is what Rambo is about. Successfully repurposed it. I mean... I know this from having taught stuff about Vietnam myself through the lens of pop culture. How many people have actually seen First Blood, right? Like today, I mean, I, yeah. I've seen it, but like when people say that's Rambo, right? They mean that's the godless killing machine that is, yeah, they are they, the action hero Rambo who is not the one. I mean, yes, the backstory is that he is a Vietnam vet. The original but, movie um, about. PSD is not the John Ram. Uh, yeah. 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 Yes. So Steph, in fact, Steph, have you ever seen First Blood? Not seen any of the Rambo films. Okay. So the Rambo movies, parts two through six, are action movies which are about killing as many people as possible, yes. as quickly as possible as Gory Z. <laughs> First Blood, aka Rambo One, First Blood is a very thoughtful and deep contemplation on the failings of war and the ways in which we abandon veterans and the trauma of PTSD. One person dies, it's an accident. 
It is not the movie wow. that anybody thinks that it is. So the Rambo movies are kind of analogous yeah. to Born in the USA. Yes, it is a complete yeah. re- it is a complete rebranding, though an intentional one there, right? Like that, like th- this is them saying, all right, let's take that, you know, that deep, meaningful, really strong movie and let's turn this into an action franchise. Yeah, that was an intentional thing, thing that they did weapon. as opposed to like somebody else doing it. The first it. lethal weapon is this intense mm-hmm. movie about a veteran, a Vietnam veteran struggling with PTSD. A few, okay, with right. a few pretty good actors. And the death of his wife. And, you know, I, for many mm-hmm. reasons, I'm not a fan mm-hmm. of Mr. Gibson. But I think sure, absolutely. <laughs> There's many reasons like not to be. Was, yes. Uh-huh. Before he entirely lost his mind. And there were all of these, like, these, these themes that publicly. the first one touched on. <laughs> None of the sequels went anywhere near. And yeah, I, I think they're there, but I mean, yeah. they're very much formulaic Hollywood movies in a way that yeah. the first one they're is not. Money makers. Yeah. Right, but you get that repurposing. But, but, like, okay, but, here's this thing that we can, like, that we can mm-hmm. start to, like, you know, if, if, if it's once it's divorced from its original context and people don't know the original context, you have a catchy tune and you have some lyrics that you could project anything onto. If you're talking about how, you know, okay. the elites are destroying America, born in the USA, you got it. The migrants are taking all your jobs, born in the USA. Uh, yeah, I mean, if, if you actively, you have to actively ignore, for those at least, you have to actively ignore <laughs> the, the lyrics. That's not hard. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, that's it. I don't think it's an act of ignoring. I think it's just a passive. That song okay, that's in the background of our lives for you know, forty mm. years or mm. whatever. Yeah, that's that's uh, a good point. It just it's on the radio. It's in the background. Nobody has stopped to listen to what what he's saying. I think that's yeah. true of a lot of songs in general. Yeah, yeah. It's you know, the, the the voice becomes just part and of the sound. Kanye and West strange fruit you know, in a breakup song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> oh God. If you're hearing Nina Simone singing Strange Fruit and then Kanye West comes out talking about sex, it tells you like, yo, we can divorce, mm-hmm. we can divorce anything from its meaning. And yo, I'm not much of a post-structuralist, but Which this is, is like, this is where I become one. I, I just want to, for, for people who don't know Listeners who don't know, yeah. "Strange Fruit" is Nina Simone's song about lynchings and mm-hmm. the in, in post-slavery lynching. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. very much not a band when it. Well, it was a. I, I mean, I'm sure it's been banned many times. It's a you know, yeah. it's a song that. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah, it's a, yeah. It's a poem set to music that is literally about Klansmen. Like hanging, I mean, like yeah. if you if you have a problem with critical that race was, theory, then there's an absolutely. To yeah, not it was, to yeah, it was Billy Holiday first, though, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. This ties into Stephanie's post earlier. But yeah, Billy Holiday sang the original one. Kanye, Kanye samples Nina's version. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Oh, it actually. Oh, Kanye actually sampled Billy Holiday's version too. I actually, yes, yeah. Billy Holiday and Nina Simone's both of their versions are in are in Blood yeah. Blood on the Leaves is the name of the song that Kanye. Which is on, which is on, and and heartbreaks, mm. which is like Kanye's last passably good album, even though problematic nature side. So, I mean, part of me wonders, and this has been my theory is a little different than Marone's, which is, I've always wondered, is the problem just that there aren't enough cool songs on the right? And I'm, and I'm not excusing people on the left, by the way, because I do think that there are theoretically left-leaning politicians who at least think of themselves as left-leaning who do this same thing and we'll, and I'll get to them later but I think that in situations where you have Ronald Reagan using Born on the USA or recently uh, Vivek Ramaswamy has been using Eminem songs and he tries to rap them himself and Eminem actually sent him a cease and desist letter <laughs> it's been after I wrote the post the blog post but this week Eminem a cease and desist letter to Vivek Ramaswamy to please stop stop trying to do my songs on stage. This is embarrassing for all involved. 
<laughs> you know, and also like, he also wants. You now know, I'm money. curious, but like, but um, no, 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 you you don't want to see it. it. It's not that good. It's, I'm sure it's not. That's yeah. why I want to see. It. He's, but anyway, I I think that there's a point where everybody likes good music. Everybody likes cool music. Everybody, you know, and I'm I'm being vague here as to what is good or what is cool. Whether you're into rap or metal or jazz or whatever, everybody likes no the music opera. they like. And because One of the things I ever heard about music was I went to a talk by Rez from Black Sheep about eight or like nine or ten years ago, mm-hmm. and he was talking about what his influences were, and he said great music has mm-hmm. no genre. Right. Okay. Yes. Perfect. Yeah. Because, yeah. Because what I think happens is people want the cool music, whatever is cool to them. They want to associate themselves with the cool music. And because of the nature of humanity, people who are drawn to the arts tend to be at least somewhat, not always, but they tend to be at least somewhat progressive for the age that they live in. So therefore, music is often, quote, small p progressive in some way. And therefore, like you end up with songs that have something of a progressive message just being there. And so people are, you know, have to reappropriate it the way Marone was saying earlier, or they can't or they can't use it. And I think that what is it? What what ends up happening is they they forget, like you have a lot of people. This happens all the time when and I've talked about this in comics where people say, how come they don't make comics that weren't political like they did in the old days and the old days, like literally captain america punched hitler on the first on the first mm-hmm. cover of captain america that, that those days and, and, don't exist for anybody who's alive like music was always political music comics were always political movies were always political you maybe didn't notice because you were nine and now you're 19 or 29 or 59 or 89 and now you're noticing right. the political message yep. so you're upset well, there's also by internal it but i think that that's the problem in artist catalogs so like as like a kid who grew up listening to metallica sure. oh yeah were the same people who did Disposable Heroes, which is incredibly anti-war. And then mm-hmm. two, one or two albums later mm-hmm. was this, I'm trying to remember the name of the song, I'm remembering the lyrics, but this basically pro-war song, like two albums later. And, you know, when you say mm-hmm. musicians are generally progressive, I just mm-hmm. had Chris Rock, Don't Tread on Me go through my head. It's very much a war song. Mm-hmm. I'm looking up the Metallica song I'm thinking about. Chris Rock. Chris, Chris Rock. Wait, Chris Rock? Chris, Wait, yeah. who? Don't try Chris Not Chris Rock. Kid Rock. The, the, Kid Rock. The, Sorry. Yeah. Kid Rock. Chris Rock. The okay, comedian. that makes more yes, sense. Okay, Chris Rock and also uh, Ted yeah, uh, Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Ted, well, and, and he was and that's he's the counter, right? Like Ted Nugent, very much conservative now. Oh, he <sighs> now? I mean, maybe before, but I'm saying he's an activist now. So yeah. Yeah. like it's not but like the, because they only have so much to, like so the the right has so few yeah. pop stars to deal with to use so that they had song, to pretend Mike Huckabee was was Tom one has of them. a song Don't like, Pred on Me. <laughs> That is the most mm-hmm. like patriotic pro war, mm-hmm. and I don't. I would. I need to look up the year it came out. Mm-hmm. I think it was before. This yeah, was like was that 90s after nine eleven? Before and like there was some stuff that followed nine eleven that made a certain amount of sense at the time, and but there was also like every mm-hmm. type of Nugent's band was, had like they had some post nine eleven stuff I believe that was like really intensely pro war. You know, Metallica also had one. It's based on uh, Billy Get Your Gun, which is ninety one was Metallica's song. Yeah, so way way pre nine eleven. band that came out with one that's about this incredibly anti war book and movie. Ninety one was Invasion of Iraq. Yeah, yeah, yes. Mm -hmm. And people can have complicated feelings. I mean, like in one sense, a band is. A corporate entity, even though they don't like to think of themselves. I mean, like their job is to sell music, but also the I don't want to pick too heavily on Metallica, but I'll use Metallica just because, you know, because we're we're mentioning the mentioning them. But Lars is not like his job is not Mm -hmm. to be consistent. 
he is a human man. Lars and James, like they are human people, they are human beings who are going to have conflicting thoughts and feelings and, and grow change and change, over the years. Yeah, yeah. And change yeah. from yeah. from year to year or day by day, even right. Like they are just people there, and they're not politicians, so they yeah. don't have to be logically consistent. I'm and, also thinking, you know, like, they might conversations have, also they might have different feelings on the United States. And when I think about, I feel like British yes. music is more. <laughs> oh us like i think the Brit- the british tend to be a lot more patriotic mm-hmm. in their music if i'm re- if i'm remembering correctly from when i when i was there and what gets to us mm-hmm. and i think some other like you know when you mm-hmm. start thinking about like what are, what is the music that is probably not all of it that is patriotic mm-hmm. and when these nice cycles come out but on the other hand i think even then it's confusing though because the brits yeah. also you know, basically huge into the punk movement, right? Which is yeah, anti-establishment. Very much not yeah, that. But, yeah, but, but but it was political. I mean, the Clash were incredibly mm-hmm. political oh, yeah. in, in, in their statements. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, it was anti-establishment, but a lot of that was politically based. Fair, yeah. fair. So, okay, what do you do with someone? Because I think that whatever Oliver Anthony says, I think it is fair for if he's going to write a song that certainly has an ideological message, he would call it non-political. I would say he's wrong and that it is political, but he would certainly agree that it is an ideological message. He is fighting for the working man, the working white man. And he's also, by the way, heavily Christian. So he says, he says that's a recent thing. Like he's like, he, he, he very recently had a big, big, I found Jesus moment kind of thing. So he opens a lot of his concerts, which, again, his concerts in a two week period have gone from he was playing in front of 15 people to all of a sudden he was playing in front of 5000 people. And he's like, yeah, this is weird, isn't it? You know, <laughs> but uh, but yes. but, uh, but uh, he and this is like literally over the course of like two weeks, he went from no one had heard of him before to he was number one on the chart. But he opens with like reading Psalms and stuff like he is he is very much a, you know, Jesus is the nice savior kind of kind of person. And he has an ideological message, which includes, you know, to hell with welfare queens. But like, that's, that's his message. He is representing what one of my favorite modern theorists is this guy named Michael Kimmel. He's a sociologist who deals a lot with how masculinity works. And he has this book called Angry White Men, which is basically a about the invention of the cultural subclass that is the quote unquote angry white man of America, which is what got Donald Trump elected, right? Like it is, it is more than just angry and white and more than male, right? Because there are a lot of women in that group too. There are black people in that group. There are, you know, but like the stereotype of that group is this grievance towards you know, they took our jobs, you know, it's that guy, it's that guy, right? It's, it's, an, it's, it's feeling aggrieved towards an imagined other that is out to get you, but that is not defined. And the brilliance of Steve Bannon and the MAGA movement is that they align themselves with that message. And therefore, you know, we're listening, we, you know, we're here for you. I hear you. I'm Donald Trump. I alone can fix mm-hmm. it, right? Like that that message becomes a thing that they can pin on to. So that group is going to be into this song. Now Ron DeSantis has to pretend to be into this song in order to in order to like fit in. Like which is which is weird, right? It's a weird thing. But I don't think that he definitely Anthony would definitely say he is not part of the left. He is not liberal. He is not, you know. Now he would say he's also not conservative. He would say, I'm for the people, but mm. He'd be, he'd be very right leaning. Well, I'm also I'm yeah. looking up patriotic mm-hmm. so, songs, and American, like yeah. some of it gets really interesting well, because, like, was a... I'm looking at lists that say that born in the USA is patriotic. They're claiming that we didn't start the fire is patriotic. Mm-hmm. Should we go? Which I, I mean, 
I guess. Yeah, I mean, if how do you define patriotic? I mean, it does mention uh, America because it mentions it's just well, a list, and, and, and that's it. I mean, if, if all you're doing is if all it takes to be patriotic is to mention America, then you know whatever. But, or I mean, is it like, there is, James Brown? There, or is it patriotic to like? Is it patriotic to be critical of? I, mean, I would say the country yes. in order to improve right. the country. I think I think yeah. that's like what patriotism yes. is. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and I agree. That seems to be a more progressive point of view. That there's the I mean, there's the political belief of my country right or wrong, which, mm-hmm. from my perspective, seems to be a, a more conservative point of view. Yeah. To me, ultimate patriotism is pointing out the mistakes and trying to yeah, fix them. Yeah, they want to take yeah. responsibility. Come on. Yeah. They, they <laughs> Let's take resp- the right. Conservatives are always, oh, people must take responsibility. Yeah. No, they, they, they yeah. say that. They, they give all service like, to that. I would mm-hmm. push back. I would say the classic, the conservative movement that we grew up in as Gen Xers, right? Is the, that conservative move, the Reagan era conservative is perhaps my country, right or wrong. We're going to, but that's not the MAGA movement. The, the tea party, the MAGA, the freedom caucus, all these people, they are very critical of America. And I think there's a misconception on the left that these people are behaving like the classic conservatives. They are not, they do not pretend to be Marjorie Taylor green is absolutely critical of where america is and we are going in the well because direction. they want like the old america where no, they, they were like a misnomer where they were they want a, they, yes they want a different they want a different they want a privileged america for themselves for their way of life mm-hmm. but that is not the same as not being critical of it so the people who and and there there's an uneasy alliance right because there's an older conservative people who are our age people who are in their 40s, 50s, 60s, you know, Gen Xers, late era boomers, right? People 70 if they're still alive, right? Who are conservatives who might say, you don't like America, then get the hell out, leave. That's not where Marjorie Taylor Greene is. That's not well, where they're saying, Gates if, are. you know, I don't like America. They're saying the immigrants should leave. <laughs> yes, I'm, yeah. Like, I don't yeah. like America and I'm kicking you out because this is our country and yeah. like it, it is a it is a very different, you know, it is a stop pushing this woke agenda down our throat, stop pushing. Like, and I think that's important to understand. So when you have well, an it, Oliver it, Anthony, it, it like, yeah, it, when well, you have it, an Oliver Anthony, I think you can, you can attach to that. But they, they, they wave the flag of patriotism. I mean, so, mm-hmm. so strongly, but, but they, they are, they, they seem to be completely anti-government in yes. so many ways. Right, the and, current government. Right, but, right. But yeah, like right even themselves. I mean, the, the, yeah, but I mean, even the no, ones who are there, the you know, it, it's it's about. What? It's it seems to me to be about thwarting any progress in government. Right. Try, try I would not say to, they like Reagan. Yeah, they're, they're yeah. What? I would not say they like Reagan. Again, what? Really? Yeah. See, oh, that, I hear yeah, them like Reagan. The, the, the modern one. Yeah, the modern ones. When you say them, the, who? The, the Margie Taylor Greens. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah, are they? No, Ted that that's a, that's the that's the confusing uh-huh. bit, right? Because you end up with you end up with people like Tim Scott, Ted Cruz, Mitt Romney in this weird, uneasy alliance with Donald Trump, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Lauren Boebert. They have nothing in common. Like they they really don't, other than the fact that it's a binary system because we've decided it has to be. And so they're in this weird binary system. And so they're working together because they had to pick one team. And it's and it's it's really weird. That's why they can't pass any legislation. You default to the side of just breaking progress because the two sides don't want anything in common, except for vaguely, maybe they're kind of okay with guns. It's it's like really weird. So they end up with this weird fracturing. And so all they can do is move towards vague platitudes of we're going to do the country, the government for the people, which people, uh, but I think that's why you, I think that's why it works better to kind of, well, they kind they, of attach to a song that doesn't have any clearly defined meaning. But, and it's only a problem. The, the, when the, 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 I, you know, but I mean, the their, their slogan is like, Make America great again. <laughs> no, that's yeah, Trump's which, slogan. Which, which I've never, I've, they've never, they've never pinpointed exactly right. when that was. That was Trump's vague yeah. slogan that he that he stole from Reagan. That's not. Well, I mean, it seems like a lot of them were on board with that. Sure, yeah. but like it's like born in the USA. You say it often enough without giving any meaning to it, everybody right. just gets behind it. Yeah, it's a nebulously brilliant branding. Like Trump is <laughs> the reason I knew Trump was going to win the last time that he won was because I kept saying 
He is a branding genius. This is a brilliant campaign. It's a campaign based on nothing because nothing matters. It is literally an empty facade that you can apply whatever vaguely conservative ideology you want to and say, yeah, he's my guy. Yeah, I mean, I guess my point is that they want to fight thing that is this nebulous, Mm -hmm. like, existence before all whatever the immigrants came to the United States or whatever happened or people became woke and all this bad and mm-hmm. people became trans and all this stuff happened before but back in the simple days we want to return to that where sure. men were men women were women mm-hmm. and you know everyone knew their place in society sure so that's but, but, which, which never actually that is, existed and that is but that is one segment of yeah. of the conservative base but that's not the people who are just voting for who are literally only voting for pro-lifeness there's that's a segment mm-hmm. there's a segment that is literally doesn't there's a serious segment of young conservatives who don't give a fuck about like you trying to ban transgender athletes that's for old people like 20 something republicans and like i see them yeah yeah it means they, different things to different people no, but, but I mean, i'm they, saying the yeah. commonality is there's something that they want to go back too, well, or but, something, but that's on that the they left. don't like about what's going on. But today that's on the that... left too. That's that's Joe Biden's slogan. He's just bad at it. Like the like the there's always a I don't like things and let's go back to before that was a problem. Wait, how is that Joe Biden's? Joe Biden's entire entire slogan is Trump broke the world. I'm going to fix it and take us back oh, to well. the good old days when I was entering politics in 1973, which were not great. Like if you remember the debates, that's what Kamala Harris and like Cory Booker hit him on is that Joe Biden was not really great like about school desegregation. So there were, you know, it's a vague, I want to return to the good old days. Biden's entire reason for being president is that, well, I need to be able to shape the new generation, but like, it's not clear what he's shaping it to. And that's one of the failings of him. He He doesn't know how to brand towards, hey, just listen to this nebulous pop song. Which is, I think, a thing that Trump is actually. Yeah, really well, good he at. does want to make progress in things like climate change. No, he doesn't. He's agreeing to because he wants to stay president. He doesn't care. Biden's a coal guy. Like, I mean, that's my point. It's a, like it, neither side in a binary system. Neither side can have anything. If, if you're going to grow a tent, you have to grow a tent beyond your capacity to mean a specific thing. So, therefore, you campaign towards vague woke platitudes and then yeah Yeah, i guess i don't think you give joe enough credit (laughs) i pay attention i watch 18 hours of cnn but he hasn't that's that's my point the the entire point that i'm making is he he, did fight for the climate change bill no he i mean he he didn't that's the thing he he did the he did the lukewarmest anything and and to the extent that he did something I understand your point. Like he, he passed a yeah, bill that you yeah. like. I'm not saying that's not There's my a point. lot of investment. Trump passed lots of bills too. Trump passed the crime bill. Uh, Trump passed the crime well, bill. Okay, it, yes, it, is a, yes. it is a hundred percent a good thing, and he did it because Kanye West was nice to him. Like, and but Kim. that no, Kim, no, Kim sent Kanye to be they nice both, to Trump. Well, they both went. To the, yeah, but Trump did it because he because somebody famous asked him to. And that's sort of my point. It's just a nebulous whatever. The crime bill got passed because. Kanye West was willing to stand there and, you know, basically blow Trump on television. Like that's a, that's what happened. Kanye went up there and said, "Oh, he's a great guy," and Kanye and Trump went, "Ah, sign your bill." And then Kanye, yeah, said, yeah, oh, I don't, I don't guy. think that Trump has any real strong, like political. I think he's driven by narcissism. Sure. <laughs> so I don't think that his own slogan necessarily even applies to him. It doesn't. Yeah, I don't like, think so. But to, to his base, I think in general it does. Sure. But that's my point. I think that politics becomes about just being able to apply the brand to whatever your own personal deal is. Yeah, he is a good salesman. Or, and for sure. And I think that music is a good way of doing that. That's why I think that's relevant to this entire conversation. I think that you can say, "Oh, yeah, I don't know." Chris Rock. Chris Rock. He made me do it. Uh, <laughs> Kid Chris Rock. Rock. Kid Rock. Damn, Chris Rock. Kid Rock is singing to me. Music. Right? Like you can you can say that. Yeah. You can say Kid <laughs> Rock is singing to me. Or Bruce Springsteen is singing to me. And it's only a problem when Bruce comes out and says, No, 
dude, I'm yeah. really not. And they ignore that too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They do. I mean, people still sing, use yeah. more in the USA. I mean, I think one of the problems is the way the music industry works. You can you can complain all you want as an artist, but like to the extent that you're selling your music through a BMG catalog, you know, you can't stop anybody. <laughs> like like if they pay the royalty yeah. rights in order to play their in yeah. order to play yeah, their song yeah, at their rallies, they just they yeah. can do that legally. They're yeah. right. You're wrong. Yep, the four of us can start a band and cover anything we want as long as we pay the the residuals. Yep, that's and that's you know, and I can run for president and I can use any mm-hmm. song that is in the catalog. Like that's that was a reason why Prince didn't want to be in the catalog. <laughs> Little things like yeah. that. There there are very few there are very few people who control the licensing rights to their own music. Hmm. So interesting. Yeah, so there are a lot of stories of artists complaining about yeah. politicians using their music and telling them not to. Yeah, but like that's not how like if you're going to license your music out, you don't want to do it individually. It's a lot of work to actually control those licenses. It's like, you yeah. know, like you are do you really want to deal with every sports arena that wants to play your song or would you rather just have the check? You'd rather have the check so you use a music management service and the politicians buy those catalog services just like the Pittsburgh Steelers do. Like you know, what's the song the Steelers play all the time? Oh, Renegade. Uh, yeah, Renegade. Yeah. They, yep. didn't, they didn't negotiate that with the band. <laughs> <laughs> that would be kind of funny if they came out and like said, I don't want this song to be associated with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yes, they didn't, but they did, but they don't get to. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. And again, it goes back to my point of if it is catchy, people will want to use it. Mm-hmm. There's so many catchy songs. If it's yeah, catchy yeah. and it has some like some words, some words in it that oh, are like words. you know patriotic. Well, I yeah, looking or, for patriotic stuff, uh, and I found uh, what what is it? Living in America, and like that's super patriotic. Uh, the Apollo Creed song, Living. <laughs> James Brown's. Uh, oh, James right, Brown's Living in America. In America that, he, that he sings with Apollo yeah, Creed, and, and it's like the most patriotic oh, song. <laughs> And I've yet to see it in any context where it's used in politics. Yeah, yeah. It's very vague, and I don't know that anybody knows. You know, can you trust James Brown? Oh, true. (laughs) You don't know what he's saying. It's a really hard song to understand the lyrics, so I love it. You know, ah, ah, you know. But like, also, he's very, he's very black. (laughs) He's very like. like, Does it send the right message? If you're, I mean. I'm sure someone will use it sooner or later because I think I think you're right. I think it'd be a great song, but you don't but you don't see it come up a lot. For my presidential campaign, maybe I should use it. <laughs> there you go. There it, yeah. <laughs> so so Marone actually resolved something like an hour and a half ago. So <laughs> <laughs> if it's catchy, people will use it. No, I mean it's <laughs> I said this in the blog is the only politician who's ever done a good job of it. I think might be Barack Obama. And it was really subtle. Okay. Before Barack had the official nomination. So he was still running for the democratic primaries and it was down to him and Hillary. Somebody else might've been in, but it was for all intents and purposes, it was down to him and Hillary. And so the attack ads started kind of going and Hillary was sending, you know, some attack ads Barack's way in order because she wanted to be president. And he refers to it. I linked to this on the blog. He refers to it. He says, people keep asking me, you know, what do you do? It's getting personal. Does it bother you? And he says, well, sometimes you just have to. And then he just brushes his shoulders. And then he turns and he brushes his shoulders the uh-huh. other way. He says, and he goes, and then there's this big applause. And he goes, that's what you got to do. And if you look when he's doing that, there's one black dude who managed to get a front seat <laughs> ticket right behind him or two black dudes. And they're just like, yes. <laughs> because what that is it's a it, it's the hand motion from dirt off your shoulder a song by jay-z which was popular at that time and so that was clearly just barack having his little you know that was his dog whistle mm-hmm. right it was his little black moment and he was just like you know hillary is you know just a little bit of dirt on my shoulder and he did that and like it was just so you had people asking him about it and it was like oh does the senator listen to hip hop? And his publicist was like, he's got some Jay Z on his iPod. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Fast forward like a year and a half, and he's like in the White House. But he never Jay-Z. actually used that song in his campaign, or did he? He did not use the song in his campaign. I believe he he might have played it when he came out on Ellen or mm-hmm. something. Like it was never one of his. Okay. It, 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 it was never his campaign song. 
but like it was it was sort of a thing that it was sort of in the black community it was very much a rock listens to jay-z where, yeah <laughs> that's when he started yep oh, <laughs> started yeah. going up in the pools maybe a little bit because originally hillary was beating yeah, rock which she was black people so he you know he actually you know <laughs> passed her which helped you know obviously to get him to get the nomination but she was beating him originally so mm-hmm. but i always thought because it was subtle because he mm. didn't come out just singing it you know he just did yeah. the motion you because had- you know that he he knows the music and yeah, it yeah. Seemed it's, genuine. it's innate yeah, yeah it it's seemed, not like he something he's just using he was actually yeah, using, using the actual to- meaning he wasn't changing right. living in America. Yeah. He wasn't changing right. he knows, Macho yeah. Man. Yeah. <laughs> oh, by the way, I looked up the dates and I think that what I said earlier, scratch that. It seems that, yeah, the song came out in 78 and Randy Savage. Sharks in 73. In, well, he, he became famous like in the 80s. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah I, so. I, I mean, I think it's quite possible that the village people might have liked Macho Man later in life, but like he was his career starts in like 73 and like I remember when Macho Man was coming up and when he won the Intercontinental I'm a huge wrestling fan obviously mm-hmm. uh, I remember when Randy won the Intercontinental Championship and is becoming a household name and that is well after Village People that's the mid-80s. okay yeah yeah unless the Village People were huge wrestling fans who I mean, followed it <laughs> <laughs> there's a I, I, may have been uh, I mean, probably interested again so there's the bodybuilding culture of the 1970s, which becomes very coincident with queer culture. I, I handed at this earlier. And so they probably would have been fairly well aware of it. Yeah. Because I mean, I, I have no proof of that, but they would have, there would have been some coincidence of interest because of how things were at that point in time. So like, I, it, it's not, it, it's not inconceivable. So I would say that they would really. know Randy Savage. That they certainly know wrestling in general yeah. and therefore not inconceivable with anyone. So that song comes out before the WWF, what became the WWE, takes its worldwide control. So it's very territory based. And so wrestlers travel from town to town. So it's impossible to know who knew who. Like the 70s wrestling landscape looks very different. This is a, a bunch of stuff that I know, but like, can, you know, it's. You have to take wrestling studies and mix it with queer studies and mix it with music studies. And, and like, and I'm not necessarily an expert on all, on all these. I haven't thought it through, but like I, they are all, you know, nebulous interests of mine. So yeah, there's, a, but yeah, the, the masculinity studies becomes very, very interesting when you're looking at the very weird period that is the 1970s. It might be a future music episode because I, I know Stephanie loves the Bee Gees and I would love to talk about the flaws in the beaches towards the disco era. None. There are no flaws. They didn't even consider themselves disco. New so. to disco. Sounds. <laughs> yep. Uh, Pop people. There's, there's no problem there. You well, know, it was the the movie was a problem. Oh, it was okay. it was very much about the movie. Yes. People yeah, were okay. people were very bitter because yeah. they became indelibly linked to the idea of disco for people who were not part of the disco. Wow, the Bee Gees were genreless. Yes. Oh, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> I wouldn't say that. <laughs> yeah, I guess we've we've drifted far away from the topic, so I yeah. guess we're, we're resolving nothing territory up. This has been fun, though. This was a show that I didn't even know how it was going to go. We we just it was because of what had happened on the debate, and plus, like then it was immediately followed by. M&M thing and it's like I just want to talk about this on the air and we got a, we got a hole in the schedule so to Stephanie and Marone thank you for joining us on short notice yeah, both of you. <laughs> yeah this was always fun to have both always of you around fun. yeah Stephanie is there anything you'd like to plug oh no not really <laughs> I'm just I, I'm wondering thank you people, for asking yeah people Do appreciate me, that. very early on I used to know that Stephanie had nothing to plug so I would not ask her and then you got upset with me on yeah. air about ask not everybody asking else me, so, so it's like so you I, want to be invited to the party even if you can't go Marone, <laughs> 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 anything you- so I recently had a full length play published uh, burning up the dictionary with next stage press very cool so i would love it if people bought it and love it even more if they produced it mm-hmm. congratulations and, um thank you mm-hmm. thank you and um i guess that's the biggest there is it's like other lies mm-hmm. so um by the time this airs my uh maybe just the day after this airs i'll, I'll have a play in like new zealand oh very cool but, um, yeah. which is like exciting but oh nice are you gonna go to new zealand to 
if I, you know, this is, this is one of those things of like when you have stuff published and licensed, and I'm actually very excited about the, the, this New Zealand production. Like I had a talk with the, with the cast via Zoom, and it sounds great. But what I'm being paid would not cover a trip mm. to New Zealand. <laughs> yeah. Oh well. And. <laughs> I also like I've been I should start plugging myself as a luxury real estate agent in New York City on the off chance that anyone listening to this is uh, looking for a very fancy condo because I do that like that's what actually pays me money because I'm also about to go do the fights for a production of Misery, the Grand Street Theater in Helena, uh, and that's going to be in October. But um, anyone in Helena, Montana in October should go see. um. How I made actors break shattered legs with a sledgehammer. Very good. <laughs> break a leg. That's, that's <laughs> right. Thank very good. Very good. Very good. Very good. Very good. Thank you. Well played. Wayne, what about you? Nope, I get nothing. No. Well, we're not had enough for everybody. Uh, well, for me, I'm just going to, and you're going to, you guys are going to get sick of hearing this. I would like to plug my upcoming collection. Batman also starring, which you know the call for comments is open. If you have ideas, you're an academic and you have thoughts on side characters, supporting characters in the Batman mythos, be it from the comics, the TV shows, the movies, the video games, or some combination thereof, and you want to write an article about it that has to do with, you know, I don't know, cultural studies or literary studies, theology, psychology, philosophy, you know, that you can fit in. It's an interdisciplinary collection that I'm going to be publishing through McFarland. So the call for comments is linked in the show notes. Please go there and send me a pitch. I, I look forward to seeing them. Beyond that, as always, you can follow me on Twitter or whatever it's called this week. <laughs> Yuck. Or Facebook or Instagram. All the places, always at Chris Maverick. I'm I'm on Blue Sky. Come on, guys. Let's everybody get on. on I forget that I'm on Blue Sky. I never remember I have a Mastodon account. Oh, I'm on Blue Sky. I'm on Mastodon. I'm on Threads. You know, I'm, I'm I'm in all the social media. I'm always at Chris Maverick. The show right now is just on Facebook and 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 Twitter. Where I don't know. I don't know where the post Twitter landscape is going to shake out and what's going to win and where things are going to be and it'd be really hard to like you know sort of cultivate a social media presence on you know all this splintered social media landscape so it's very frustrating but you know what you can do is you can follow the show's blog at www.voxpopcast.com because that's where you can read calls for comments like the one that inspired this episode and you can leave us comments on this or any other show you can pitch yourself as a guest you can give us topics that you'd like us to discuss you can just leave your thoughts on what we talked about today where do you fall can you think of songs that we didn't talk about do you disagree with us on in anything that we said do you want to tell me that i'm wrong and that joe biden is a great president who's accomplished a lot yeah, thirty percent approval rating, real good. <laughs> but, but whatever you, whatever you want to say, please, you know, follow our blog. And if you enjoy the show, we certainly hope you do subscribe to us on iTunes or Spotify. Stitcher's actually officially gone. Pandora, we're on that. Wherever the hell you get podcasts from, and do us a favor, leave us a five star review. If you leave us a five star review, especially on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, that boosts the algorithm, makes us more popular and really helps us out. I would like to thank Maximilian of Thoughtform Music for our epic theme song building ever so more epically and playing us out. I'd once again like to thank our guests for joining us. I'd like to thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye. 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 Bye.